0: So we're in this brown bag summer where we're just sort of uh, taking it one week at a time and we'll see where God takes us. And so I'm gonna ask you to turn in your Bible to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. And we're gonna talk this morning a message entitled of mice and men. Of mice and men. It is the desperate need for men In the world today So if you would pray with me Father we thank you so much for who you are How you love us How you reveal yourself to us Lord we thank you for laughter Uh, We thank you for camaraderie and friendship and fellowship And Lord we thank you that we can do all those things But Lord I pray that you will help us now to focus in on your word And the serious message that you have for us today In Jesus name all God's people said Amen All right Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read two verses, chapter, verse 26 and 27. I'm reading from the New King James. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I was going to preach this morning on some fathers from the Bible, and that sort of made sense to me. It is Father's Day after all. But as I was working on this message, it's like God really started redirecting my spirit about this And he started kind of backing me up to a larger perspective and a bigger view than just fathers on Father's Day. God pulled me back and directed me to addressing a very, very important need in our world today. And that is the overwhelming challenge that is being faced not only by our men but also by our boys in today's modern culture. Uh, We've been told that men are really like the problem for everything in the world these days. I mean, we're being told that if it weren't for men, the world would be okay. We've even been introduced to a term in the last year or so that would suggest that just the very fact that you're a man is actually toxic to the rest of the world. It's this thing called toxic masculinity. In other words, being a man is something toxic. We got to get rid of man, men and manhood, because we just can't have that. It's a dangerous thing in our world. Let me be really, really clear about this this morning. God could not disagree more. See, as I read this passage from Genesis chapter 1, what I realize is that when God made man, he meant something. And it wasn't a woman. And by the same token, when God made a woman, he meant something by that, and he didn't mean a man. Bottom line is, we're different. God made men as men and women, as women, and we are not the same. And there is purpose and there is value in that difference. I wanna take you back this morning to a time in our history when people actually understood that difference and they understood the value in it and it actually did make a difference. Now, just in the last couple of weeks, we have celebrated the 75th anniversary of D-Day. I can still remember watching, after I got out of active duty, I can still remember going to the theater and watching Saving Private Ryan. Any of you watched that movie? I can still remember going to watch that movie. And, and I, just, I broke down in tears watching that movie. I was just overwhelmed by it. Because I can remember crawling through mud holes and spending nights out in the cold and being really miserable and and just whining to myself about how bad it was. And then I saw that movie and I was ashamed that what I went through was nothing compared to what those men went through. And as we celebrated D-Day, there were men that were in amphibious ships that landed on those beaches in France that barely got off. They knew as they were unloading that most of them wouldn't live to see another day, much less another hour. But they did it anyway. They went because we needed to push back the forces of evil that were Germany and Italy at the time and overcome that for good. And it was a horrible, horrendous time. And and I'll just... Thank goodness for all of the allies, but let me just be frank, and, and I, people may have different opinion, that's okay. My opinion is without the, the participation of the United States, D-Day would have never happened and it would have never been successful. But here's the thing. I don't think the United States would have ever been in that war. We would not have been in D-Day if it weren't for another day a day that has been called a day that will live in infamy. December 7th, 1941, the Japanese surprise attacked the Pacific Fleet at anchor in Pearl Harbor. Nobody knew that it was coming. And what they did was they attacked us to keep us out of the war, Now, why would they do that? Because they knew the power of the United States and they didn't want the United States, they didn't want us to stop them from doing what they wanted to do. So they wanted to keep us out and on the sidelines. That was the purpose of the attack. The results were devastating. I wanna show you, because some of you, I, I don't know what all they're teaching in school these days. You, some of you kids in school, Maybe even in college, maybe some of you guys in the 20s, maybe you have never seen this or heard this. I wanna tell you and show you a little bit about what happened on that day, Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. There were 2,335 military that were killed and there were 68 civilians that were killed. Nearly 2,400, a little over 2,400 people were killed, lost their lives that day in that surprise attack at Pearl Harbor. There were 1,143 military personnel and 35 civilians wounded. So in addition to all of those that were killed, there were almost another 1,200 that were wounded and many of them wounded seriously. There were four battleships that were sunk. There were four battleships that were damaged. In addition to that, there were three cruisers that were damaged. There were three cruisers that were sunk. And there were two other ships that were sunk. So you've got uh, six, eight, 14, 16 naval vessels, war vessels that were basically taken out of play in that one attack. 188 planes were destroyed and 155 planes were damaged. 340 planes taken off of the playing field out of that one attack. Can I tell you something this morning? The results at Pearl Harbor were devastating, and I'm here to tell you this morning that Satan has basically been doing the same thing to the men in America over the last 40 or 50 years, and the results have been equally devastating. As far as the bombing at Pearl Harbor is concerned, the reality is you can't can't fight a war on an ocean and over an ocean Without a navy, without ships. You gotta have a navy, you gotta have ships to fight that kind of a battle. And our fleet was almost wiped out. And to be honest, it looked really grim. It looked really bleak. And if you look at the landscape of American manhood and fatherhood today in America, it looks almost equally as bleak as it did if you were standing in the middle of Pearl Harbor on December the 7th, 1941. Over the last several decades, we have watched virtually every element of society attack manhood and men. If you watch TV or you watch commercials, men are usually portrayed as helpless, useless idiots. Am I right? The culture in general basically treats men as though men are basically worthless and useless and totally non essential And radical feminism in today's culture treats men as basically as if they are the root of all evil. What a world we could have if it wasn't for men. It is vicious. It is highly destructive. But you know what? It really shouldn't be all that surprising. You know why? There's a couple of verses that should have given us clues to this. I'll put these on the screen for you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. Does that sound familiar? They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Does that sound familiar? They will be disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Does that sound familiar? They will consider nothing sacred. Does that sound familiar? They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. Does that sound familiar? Now, that's the New Testament, but the Old Testament didn't leave that off either. God's been waving this flag, this warning flag for a long time. He said in Isaiah chapter 5, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Church, is this almost the very definition of the culture that we are living in the middle of? It's like God has been warning us for a long time, be on the lookout for this. And yet, even though God has warned us about this, it's almost like this attack on men and manhood has caught us completely off guard. Like we've been asleep at the wheel and we didn't see it coming. And because of that, the carnage has been piling up for a couple of decades now. And it is scary. I want to point out some things to you this morning that some of you may know. Some of you may know instinctively. You've, you haven't seen these statistics, but you may, you may know it instinctively. Some of this, this will be news to you. I want to look at, at the carnage that has, has been a result of this attack on men and manhood over the last several decades in three different areas, first in the church, Did you know that the typical congregation in the United States on a Sunday morning draws an average of 61% women and 39% men? Now, I don't know what our ratio is here. I really don't. I haven't bothered to look for it. I pray that we're a whole lot closer than that, but this is a statistical analysis of churches all over the United States. In the average church In America, there are 61% women, 39% men. Church, there's something wrong with that. On an average given Sunday morning in American churches, there are 13 million more women in church than men. 13 million. This Sunday... Almost 25% of married Christian women, almost one in four, who are church-going will attend church without their husband because their husband won't come to church. All of that's bad enough, but this one should scare you to death. As many as 90% of the boys that are being raised in church will abandon it before they hit their 20th birthday. That's the boys being raised in church. We're not talking about 90% of the boys all across the board. 90% of the boys that are actually being raised in church by the time they hit 20 are out the door and most of them will never return. If that number doesn't scare you, I don't know what will this morning. Out of the men who believe in God, very few see any value in going to church. And those who do, most of them will attend out of habit. It's what you're supposed to do. A lot of them will go to keep their girlfriend, their mother, their wife happy. No no uh, rib nudging here, please. According to uh, estimates from 2017 there are roughly 125 million men in the United States who are 15 years of age and older. 80 million of those, if we just base this on normal uh, statistical analysis of those who are believers and those who are not, at least 80 million out of 125 million men don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way at all. When you think 80 million men Out of 125 million in America don't know Jesus, is it any wonder why we're struggling as a country? And let's say that 40 million of those are actually in church. Only 6 million are actually engaged in any meaningful sort of discipleship in their Christian walk. Six out of 125. Very few churches in America are able to establish or maintain a vibrant men's ministry because this is what has happened because of the assault on men and manhood. What about the family? There are over 75 million, by the way, that's 72. That's a typo, that's my fault. I do my own slides and I'm a terrible proofreader of my own stuff. So anytime you see a typo, On my message slides, it's my fault, and and it happens on a regular basis. So just so that you know, there are 75 million children under 18 years of age, and fully one-third of them will go to bed tonight with no biological father in the house. One out of three. Church, that is not the way God intended the world to work. In addition to that, 40% plus... The number ranges anywhere from 40 to 50. Most are actually now saying the number is somewhere around 42, 43, 44% of first marriages end in divorce every year, and that affects about a million more children every year. So you've got 72 million children, a third of which go to bed every night without a biological father in the house, and we're adding almost a million to that every year. 40% of all children are now born out of wedlock in the United States. Another number that significantly increases children going to bed without biological dads in the home. And then this one is scary. 63% of youth suicides are in fatherless homes. That comes from the U.S. Department of Health Census. Suicide for teenagers is the second leading cause of death behind accidents. And 63% of those who take their own lives as teenagers have no father in the house. Now, there's some ripple effects from that. Boys from fatherless homes, boys from fatherless homes are five times more likely to commit suicide. They are 32 times more likely to run away. And they are 20 times more likely to have behavioral disorders. Do you think that men not being men, men not being godly dads in the home, is having a devastating effect? Do you? then that ripples out into the culture at large. Let me share some things about societal carnage. Here's a fact that never before in our nation's history have so many boys grown up apart from a father. It is an epidemic. It has never been part of the history of this country. And here's some things that will scare you also. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 75%. You're a man here, you're a dad, you want to make sure your kids don't wind up abusing drugs? Be there. Be there. 85% of youth in prisons grow up in a fatherless home. And one more 71% of high school dropouts come from a fatherless home. It will absolutely destroy most boys who are growing up without a dad. It will absolutely rob them of their identity. And in a culture that is screaming toxic masculinity, we are destroying our boys. One of the most reliable predictors of whether a boy will succeed or fail in high school rests on one single solitary question, and that is, does he have a male figure in his life to look up to? And too often the answer is no. That's why what Rick does is so important. But you know what? Rick can't carry that load alone. Dan Gill last Sunday stood up here and he encouraged all of you adults to do what? Grab some of them sometimes, sit down with them, introduce yourself, get to know them. Why? Because they need a male role model. That is one of the byproducts, one of the the fringe benefits of being in a church environment is being able to surround your children, especially your boys, with strong male role models. In every neighborhood, whether it's rich or poor, doesn't matter where it is, an increasing number of boys are raised without their biological dad's And trying to navigate the world without a father figure is like trying to drive around without a map. You'll get somewhere, but you'll probably wind up lost. You won't know where you are. Our churches, our families, our culture are all under attack. And the common denominator of it all is men who are missing in action. Now, this message is not to beat up on our men this morning. It's to open your eyes to what we're up against. The culture, the family, and the church all needs men to show up. There, there was, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll skip that. I don't want to say anything that's going to be political and run off, off, off tide here. If if we're going to change the way this is going, if we're going to change the direction this is going, if the battle is going to be won, and it's got to be won, men, it has to start with us. It has to start with us. And when you think about what's going on right now, when you think about, about what's going on in the culture and where attacks are coming from all sorts of different directions... It's got to feel a little bit like somebody standing on the deck of one of those battleships on Pearl Harbor on December the 7th, 1941. It's like you don't know where it's coming from, bullets are flying everywhere, and you're just hoping to survive. That's no accident. Because Satan loves to attack on multiple fronts at one time. You know why? Because his goal is to overwhelm you into non action. If you're overwhelmed that you don't know what to do, he's got you right where he wants you. We actually saw this by the Japanese on December the 7th. On the same day that they attacked Pearl Harbor, they also attacked uh, Malay, they attacked Hong Kong, they attacked Guam, they attacked the Philippines They attacked Wake Island, and they attacked Midway Island. They did all of that on the same day. I bet a lot of you didn't know that. They did that to overwhelm the opposition. Satan is doing the exact same thing. He hopes that we will look at all the carnage, all the mess that we see as men, and we'll go... I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix that. I got no answer. And yet you just sleek back and do nothing. He hopes that you'll look at it and and basically see that old show, Mission Impossible. Right? This is impossible. I can't do this. I can't fix this. I can't change this. It's impossible. Well, I got a word for Satan this morning, a word of news, and I got a word of hope for you. See, we serve a God of the impossible. Amen. Mark chapter nine, verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes, amen? amen? Mark chapter 10, verse 27, one chapter later, Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible praise the lord so where do we start we got to get in this fight men where do we start we start with men and we start at church really at church yes at church Because I think what's happened with men in the church is having a profound effect on the entire country. What do I mean by that? As men have abandoned the church, and maybe also appropriately as the church has abandoned men, they are no longer being influenced by brothers in Christ by the word of God, By iron sharpening iron, they're not being called to live a stronger life, a better life, a more disciplined life, a more focused life, a more purposeful life. And as they shrink back from those very things, we become less and less committed to the things of God. We become less committed to our families, our communities, and everybody suffers for it. And as men leave the church, not only do young boys leave the church, but their daughters do too. I, I quoted something to you not too long ago, and I couldn't remember if I had the statistic exactly right. So I looked it up because I wanted to share it in this, in this message. This study was done by uh, the Swiss, and it was called The Truth About Men and the Church. The, the author of it was Robbie Lowe. And here's some of the things that he found. If a father regularly attends church, then 66 to 75% of his children will also either regularly or irregularly attend church. This last part is really important, regardless of whether the mother attends or not. If mom wants nothing whatsoever to do with church, but dad is going on a regular basis, guess what? His kids are going to show up to church too. Now, next, uh, next statistic. If a father irregularly attends church then 50 to 66% of his children will either regularly or irregularly attend church, again, regardless of whether the mother regularly attends or not. So even if dad is only spotty in his church participation, but he's there often enough, then at least half of his kids or more will keep going to church, again, whether mom is there or not. But this is where the creation order of God comes into play in a devastating way. This last stat, if a father does not attend church, then 60 to 80% of his children will not attend even if mom is going every week. God created men to be spiritual leaders in their home and every and wh- hey listen men whether you want to be a spiritual leader or not you're being one and you are either leading spiritually toward God or you are leading spiritually away from God there is no option you are a spiritual leader whether you want to be or not if you're watching on Facebook You are a spiritual leader whether you want to be or not. And guys, if you abandon the church, your kids are going to abandon the church with you even if mom drags them when they're young because when they get old enough to say, I'm going to do my own thing, they're out. The writer of the research says this, the figures are in and they'll continue to come in. The churches are losing men. And if the figures are correct then churches are therefore losing children. You cannot feminize the church and keep the men. And you cannot keep the children if you do not keep the men. This is the reason for the attack on men and manhood and fatherhood in America because Satan knows that every generation has to be press, uh, pass the baton of faith to the next generation and if he can drag men out of the church either because they don't want to go they've given up they're scared they have nothing to do anymore then he, by default he's going to drag the kids out of the church and there goes the church. If we buckle then we lose our children. And men, we are the first line of defense in that. We are the first line of defense. And if we lose our children, we will lose our churches. And if we lose our churches, we will lose our culture. And we'll lose our future. Because as goes the church, so goes the family and ultimately society. As men withdraw from the place that could help them grow into authentic manhood, the decline in our society becomes more and more and more and more noticeable. So, men, i got a passage of Scripture for you this morning. I've got a passage of Scripture for all of us as men, and I'm challenging even our young men sitting over here to my left. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Paul says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Men, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith, stand your ground because nobody else can stand your ground for you. Paul says to act like men and be strong. We are suffering an onslaught of attacks from Satan and all the forces of darkness and evil and men are running for shelter and hiding and the men of God need to stand up, step up and be counted on, amen? Amen. And I know we can do it because we have a God of the impossible. As we close today, I want to close by listening once to the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt as he addressed the nation from what happened on that fateful day of infamy, December 7th, 1941.
1: No matter how long it may take us, To overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. and of the people, when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but will make it very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. Hostilities exist. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God.
0: Hostilities exist. There's no doubt about it. Satan is honing in on males and men and manhood and fatherhood because if he can take us out, he takes out everything that follows. I think it's a fight worth fighting. I think it's a fight we need to fight. And we've got a God who is able. We've got a God who knows no limitations. We've got a God who's got our back no matter what we come up against because Paul said, I am convinced that neither height nor depth nor principalities nor powers nor anything present nor anything to come can separate me from the love of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Men, this is our call. It's our call to join the fight, to stand up for what's right, to fight for our families to fight for our children, to fight for our churches, and to fight for our future. On Father's Day, he's a dad that always gives us exactly what we need when we need it. You may be here this morning and he's not your dad yet, he's not your spiritual father. Maybe you don't even have a dad Jesus is ready to be that spiritual dad for you. He's ready to be the one who will be there every moment of every day through everything that you encounter and endure. And he can change everything about your life in the blink of an eye. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Anybody here this morning that would say, Coach Mark, I, I don't know that Jesus is my dad. I don't know that he's walking with me and I'm walking with him. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven is my eternal future. Would you pray for me? If anybody is here like that this morning, anybody online, I wanna pray for you. If you're here this morning, would you raise your hand as, as everybody's head is bowed, nobody's looking around. Anybody that needs that kind of prayer this morning? All right, I'm gonna ask with nobody looking, nobody looking, do we have any men here this morning who say, I. I've tried my best, but I need to do better. I need to step up more. I need to be counted on more. I need to to get to the front of the fight. Would you raise your hand? Men, wherever you are, all around the, the sanctuary. All right. Father, as we begin to have our invitation and we open these altars, God, I pray that that you will encourage our men this morning to engage in the fight in a brand new way. And Lord, be, be men of courage, men of action, men who will endure whatever for the cause of Christ and for the cause of their families and their children. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everybody stand as the instruments play, as we sing, the altar is open, men. Let's rise to the challenge.